Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hodlers podcast, episode episode 16. Today we are joined by Crypto Jamie, and we're also joined by NFT Dad, the usual, the casual um, co-host for the Hodlers podcast. What's um, up, everybody? Crypto Jamie uh, is a crypto investor and educator. You're full-time in the space now, teaching people on TikTok anything and absolutely everything to do with TikTok. You do some really cool skits, a bit of rapping, a bit of singing here and there. Um You've got 54,000 followers on TikTok. You've absolutely smashed it um, and you're not stopping yet. You keep on going. So starting <laughs> it off, big first question, um, who is Crypto Jamie? What do you do? I think, first of all, thank you so much, both of you, for that really kind introduction. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, Crypto Jamie, you know, first of all, I want to kind of like make this point very clear to everybody. So first of all, my name's Jamie. I'm not Crypto Jamie and I like to try and make that kind of separation when I come across to people. Mm -hmm. So I am Jamie. That is almost when I put this TikTok hat on, when I put my phone or a camera in front of me, I become crypto Jamie. I'm a boring guy, standard guy that likes spending time with my family, <laughs> my dogs, my friends, talking about like non-crypto things and just switching off. But when I'm into crypto, I'm fully into crypto Jamie mode. And crypto Jamie mode for mm -hmm. me is all about like high energy. It's all about educating people. It's all about being different and not being afraid to ask questions, but not in an yeah. aggressive way. So when, you know, I don't know whether some people saw a recent interview that I did with a project, the worst thing that I could have done with that, and I, and I don't really want to name the project because we all know what happened. And uh, mm -hmm. currently I am, you know, you know, ha having a few heated discussions with him <laughs> and there's a few legal things there, but we'll, we'll talk about oh, that. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, well, well. Okay, okay. So because I'm so reserved with the question, I think when, you know, something my grandparents, my parents taught me is if you really want to have a solid conversation with people, you've got to sit back and let them talk. But when you yeah. talk, it's got to mean something of importance. It's got to be significant that encourages the other person to maybe release a little bit more information or express themselves in a different way. So for me, my platform is all about that. The other part of the platform was, I've got to be honest, it was lockdown. It was boredom. It was where I was at in my life. You know, the creation of Crypto Jamie was a little bit different. It was during lockdown. Um, yeah. for, for people that know me and I follow my story, I've worked in professional sport for 11 years. I was a performance analyst really lucky and really blessed to have a fantastic career within sport. What happened was, uh, believe it or not, I was working for a Premier League football club at the time, Manchester City Football Club. And I was also working part-time because, you know, believe it or not, Manchester City Football Club don't pay too well. I was working two jobs. I was also working at Witness Vikings Rugby League. Now, when COVID hit, uh, Witness Vikings, because I was self-employed, decided to release me. Um, and, you know, being the main kind of income for the family and, and my household, you know, I needed something different. And, and, and for me, it, you know, it was exploring different avenues around that. And, and that was where Crypto Jamie, you could argue, was kind of created and became. So I, I went on this journey of discovery around the crypto space and the NFT space, even though I was undoxed within Telegram communities for like nearly a year before that, I'd never took the step to come out and express myself kind of in a public mm -hmm. eye. Yeah, it's difficult to do that, but I definitely think it's heavily, heavily beneficial. Like with my TikTok, for example, I was anonymous for ages. Like, I mean, I show my, like, my face in like Discord and stuff like that, but on TikTok, it was just me and like recording my screen. But showing your face helps build so much of a brand. And like, as soon as they see your face, they know straight away, oh, we're going to learn about crypto. We're going to do something like this. Uh, whereas if they see just, you know, the boring PC screen, most people swipe. So it's building that personal brand over time. Well, what's interesting, Leon, is you, you talk about the brand. And this is something that I really, you know, it might, people might think I'm a little bit stupid or a little bit memey or whatever, but 
you know, like the first thing that I, or the, the thing that I always sign every video off of is with let's go. But that, that little finger point, yeah, that yeah, little yeah, bit exactly. of energy. Yeah, yeah. But it's mm. creating almost a brand or a recognizable asset around you as a person that people mm -hmm. know that you're going to be delivering a message of some kind of substance. So yeah. like then when you go to events and you go to crypto events or conferences, you come and things like this and you say like about the let's go or you talk about cryptocurrency, people yeah. know exactly what you're going to be talking about in that instance. So it's about exactly, creating yeah. something that people fully understand and understand who you are as a person. Yeah, and I think that's definitely key on TikTok. That defines like just the average TikTok person like in the crypto space, the average person who just talks about that and then the person who wants to leverage that and become something and build a brand. You got to know these things and develop these things over time. Um, and there's, I don't think there's many in, well, there is quite a few, but there's not many that like leverage themselves to the point of like 50, 100, 500K followers. There's only like 1% of those and you're one of them. Um, so yeah, talking about, the journey and how it all started um when was your like first 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 experience with crypto how did it all happen yeah so it's that that's a good question i think my first experience or knowledge i think is probably two different things so the first knowledge of it was mm -hmm. maybe like eight nine years ago I was speaking to my parents oh wow okay it. Came into a little bit of money, and my dad just told me it's a total scam. Stay away from it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, don't don't go near it. Don't touch it. Uh, and ever since then, really, I, I've always have a, had an interest in it. Um, probably for the last four years, more significantly. You know, I got married in that time. Shortly after the wedding, Congrats. you know, it's like when you get married and things like that. You've got to pay all the bills. You've got to pay for everybody's big day, even though it's your yeah. big day. You know, there's <laughs> bills coming out of everywhere. And I think after then, when, when you get that little bit more disposable income or you've got that ability to be able to maybe look at investing, I took it a little bit more serious. Uh, and it probably comes back to where I got back involved with crypto. I got gifted shares, actually. Uh, I got gifted oh, wow, okay. £200 worth of shares. I invested them into airlines. It went up to £250. And one day... Hey, I went, check you out. Yeah, yeah, little hustler. <laughs> um, <laughs> I went to my wife. I said, listen, I'm really not liking the look of crypto. I think I should give it a go. And the bank of crypto, Jamie, didn't release any funds. So I had to sell my stocks <laughs> <laughs> and, no. and invest that into crypto. So that, that was kind of my entry level. And that was where I came into the crypto space initially with that amount of money. That was, you know, that was a nice journey. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Um, over to you, Tyler. Yeah, for sure. So it, it's incredible to hear about, you know, how crypto Jamie was, you know, forged in the, in the fires of a pandemic, like so many, uh, wonderful creators out there that, you know, found a way to differentiate themselves from, you know, just millions and millions of people bored and, and finding themselves, uh, you know, in front of their phones and creating content. One of the pieces that I think we find really interesting about your journey um, is that, you know, you've reached a point now where, you know, it sounds like you've left your normal job, you're no longer working for somebody else, you're self-employed, you know, that sounds like a massive step. So how did that that part of your journey unfold? When were you like, all right, that's it. I'm going to pull the shoot on the day job and I'm going all in on, you know, self-employment. Yeah, so it, it was tough. Um, it was pretty pretty shortly after lockdown had finished in the UK, which was a tremendously long time. So a lot of people don't know this, that I was actually a shielder. Um, so I've got a disease in my intestines called ulcerative colitis. So I was at home during COVID for a lot longer than, than the average person per se. So when we went back to work, uh, clearly that gave me a lot of time to sit at home and focus on crypto and <laughs> focus on crypto creation. So it gave me a, a great head start. So thank you to Boris you know, for, for creating that shielding list, I guess. I owe him, I owe him a thank you. But you know, from that, it, it, it became very apparent that 
when I would go to work, I would lose out on trading opportunities. I would lose out on pre-sale researching opportunities. And actually, it was costing me more money to go to work financially incoming than, than I was creating by going and spending, you know, nine to five, nine to six in work and then coming home, staying up till two or three o'clock in the morning, not seeing my family, not seeing my wife. So it was a kind of... After lockdown, I'd say it probably lasted about two, two and a half months and I was kind of like burnt out and I was like, right, I, I need to focus. I'm ready to to take the jump. But I think we had a nice little obviously supply of money that we, that we generated throughout lockdown. Everyone makes money in the bull market. If you, if you invest smartly and you do your own research and take profits, because a lot of people don't remember to do that. So if you put yourself in a position where the risk is a lot less and you're prepared to go, do you know what? If I lose this money, I've just got, I've got to go back to work. Uh, and, and I got myself in that headspace and just took took the risk. And, you know, luckily or unluckily, some people would say this, my commitment's are low. It's just me and my wife, my two dogs. We've got no kids. You know, we, 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 we had the ability to just kind of take a big step. I know I talked to a lot of traders and like Steve, the Sussex trader, for example, I know for 100% he would love to to take the leap as well. But having kids and having commitments, and things like that, yeah, it, it is huge. And I think it's almost a blessing for me in terms of my career that you know, I was in a position to be able to just go, do you know what, roll the dice and let's see what happens. Focus on content creation, focus on trading and having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Rolling the dice, I think, is the key thing. I've, I've got three kids and uh, self-employed, and we made that jump about a year ago. And it's absolutely, I don't know that you can hear them yelling away in the background. I've told them, <laughs> I'm on a live stream, guys, stop yelling. And so that's exactly <laughs> when they start yelling is when I tell them I'm on a live stream. But, um, you know, we, obviously, Leon did a bunch of research. I went through your content and, and saw that uh, there was a period of time where you were, you know, with the term heavy, heavily into Bitcoin at Bitcoin Maxi. Uh, and recently, you've uh, made some announcements that you're switching over to XRP. I'm an XRP holder. I, I believe that it's a, it's a really fascinating, you know, investment. Can you tell us a little bit about what made you so confident in XRP? Yeah, so this is the first time that I'm going to expose myself here. Um, oh, inside scoop. Um, it's a total troll, to be honest. It's a total troll to the XRP community because I think they're blinded by the lights. I think they're blinded by headlines. And anybody that posts anything positive about XRP, they get extra horny and talk about it for months and weeks. So for me, if you notice the songs that I create and you, you notice like the memes or the videos that I put out there, You'll notice like little hints that I'm putting in the content to kind of like, guys, wake up. You know, <laughs> there's, there's other things out there. I call them the Karens of the crypto space. I, th I think they're no longer the Shiba Inu creators or, or community members. It disappoints me, I think, as, as content creators, the amount of people. I put a video out today, actually. I'm, th I'm seeing videos consistently. XRP, they're going to come and buy it off us. $50,000 per token. It's going to be amazing. I'm like... Do you know how many millionaires, billionaires that's going to create overnight? How much control they're going to lose? And I think XRP holders forget one thing. It's money. The whole, the whole world, forget about money, is about control when it comes to governance. Of course. Now, when it comes to control, if we know we've got technology such as XRP, all people and organizations and governments, in my opinion, are going to do is control copy, control paste that technology into something else that they've got control of, which is CBDCs, in my opinion. Right. Right. They've got full control and it might not actually be XRP that, <laughs> that is the asset of the future. But, mm. you know, I think that's an argument for another time. But for me, it's just a total troll. Uh, it's a bit of fun. Personally, I hold XRP. It is in my top five holdings for sure. But it's more of a point around wising up a little bit. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it annoys me. Yeah, I'm so heavily not, interested. Not, oh, go not on, getting sorry. too too high off the hopium uh, of of XRP being the uh, the the way that everything's going to go. Do you do you want to share with us your top five holdings? Is that yeah, something absolutely. No, so, yeah, num number one is Bitcoin. Number two is Ethereum. 
I mean, we all know the reasons for those two. I mean, <laughs> I mean, for me, Ethereum is very interesting. It will probably slip to three or four in the coming months, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty traditional in my holdings at the moment. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then I, I am going to go with my XRP a third, but it is tied up very closely with BNB. So I, I'm a big believer nice. that we may see an alt run or meme run around Christmas, and I don't know why. It's just my gut feeling. So I've just been topping up my bags. Where every time we saw Bitcoin, uh, sorry, um, BNB go up to around two sixty to two seventy, I thought it was a nice buying opportunity short term. Mm-hmm. For me, BNB is a short flip. You know, it, it, if it hits the fan, I'm fully prepared to sell and put it into Bitcoin or put it into a stable, no problem. Uh, and then number five, I'm looking at alt, like total, total risky plays. So I'm looking at some building companies right now. I'm looking at a project called Hanzo. Hanzo for me is something a little bit different. Uh, I like what they're doing over at Forge 21. Um, just different. Uh, I've got to be totally honest. If you were to put that into percentages, 90 odd percent, maybe 95% of all of my money is in Bitcoin right now. Gotcha. So oh, wow. like, I, I've totally come away with it. You know, that's not taking into account NFTs, but yeah, majority of it is in Bitcoin. Oh, NFTs. You hold NFTs too? Yeah, of course. I mean, I was pretty happy to bag an invisible friends this week. I've been waiting. Oh, for no way, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. very, very nice. How did that start, actually? How did that NFT start? Well, actually, uh, my name's Crypto Jamie NFT, not purely yeah. because I loved NFTs. It's because Crypto Jamie wasn't available. There was already somebody else pretending. So I could take that name. So, um, NFTs, my love for me was, yeah, it was a bit different. So have you heard of a project called Evolved Apes? Um, personally, I haven't. No, no, no. So that was the first project that I ever bought into. And it was at the time, the biggest scam, you know, ever in terms of NFT history. And this was around (laughs) two years and two months ago, two years, three months ago, maybe Mm -hmm. at the time it was over four and a half million dollars, which was huge at the time. It sent ripples through to everybody. Uh, And that was probably one of the things that really made me come out and want to be doxxed. That kind of made me a little bit more interested into NFTs. Um, When I say interested into NFTs, I'm not actually fussed about the art. I'm not fussed about the profile picture days. I'm fussed around the utility. And I think the true meaning of NFTs for me as somebody in the way that I invest and I trade is it's not been tapped into. I think about tokenized assets. I think about fractionalizing the ownership of assets is going to be absolutely critical in the future. So it's going to be really interesting where they go. I think for NFTs for me, I think we're at a really crucial point, Leon and um, NFT dad. Uh, you're the NFT expert here, mate, with, with a name like that. <laughs> I think we're at a really crucial point of uh, profile picture NFTs are dead, in my opinion, totally gone. Uh, and projects with utility. I mean, the interesting thing for me is Solana at one point was destined to potentially challenge Ethereum. Yeah, and now we're seeing long. tons of projects just die and, and seeing where it's at. So I would probably counteract that question to you, NFT. Dad. Where do you think we're heading with it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And let's cozy up and talk about NFTs for a minute here, because that's that's what I love <laughs> to talk about. Um, and, and of course, you know, I think we're seeing gaming being which what was sort of like one of the big pieces that everyone's roadmap was promising gaming utility, gaming, you know, utility, gaming utility. And and for a lot like Alluvium and, and uh, you know, even the Littles NFT have a, have a cool play side. So they're kind of creating this gaming utility. And to be honest, not nobody's really followed followed through. Obviously, um, Yuga Labs and and the other side, Deed Lands, and this whole idea of a metaverse um, really hasn't um, done too much, uh, you know, in terms of following through in that roadmap. I mean, bear market that's sort of dried up a lot of people's liquidity. I guess you know that's probably what's happening. But then you know you look at um, this promise of real, real utility. And I think a lot of people are seeing, um, you know, how um, projects, you know, like uh, Artifact, Nike, you know, Starbucks has, you know, journey tokens coming out. 
Um, of course, you know, there's uh, lots of projects that are unfolding that um, already have huge communities and, and are converting those communities over to NFTs without people even realizing their NFTs. So I think kind of hiding the idea that there's a blockchain membership involved in uh, a project has been sort of successful. Reddit is a great example of that. I don't know how many they just absolutely destroyed, you know, in terms of volume, I think they destroyed OpenSea in like two days just by converting <laughs> millions of followers into uh, having avatars. And and most of the avatar holders have no idea, you know, that they're holding a, a, an, an NFT. Um, but what I what I am really seeing that's interesting is I don't know whether uh, Jamie, if you saw, it was I think it was called Legend of Cock Punch. Uh, Tim Ferriss <laughs> just launched a few days ago uh, an NFT project, and it's solely based around. Um, you know, a charity and it's got a 7.5% royalty, I believe. It's doing the volume is already quite high, but there's already some people sort of pushing back because Tim Ferriss, of course, this thought leader, you know, the, the four hour work week guy, um, he was saying, you know, this isn't, you know, a pump and dump. This isn't, you know, a speculative asset. We're using this to for a charity and it's his charity, by the way. So all these people are sort of pushing back saying, well, then why did you make a 5,000, you know, 555? piece collection because that's scarcity demand already so if you look at it, i've been following it um i was going to buy one last night at 0.58 and right now it's almost at 0.7 so it's already kind of doing this bounce uh, it was up at one point something for a little while and then it's bouncing so i think like i don't know i, I think that it's still a really enjoyable really fun space to be in and there's lots of you know the moon boys when lambo those those folks are still in there wanting to make a, a shit ton of money that's that hope has not died um, and I think that's kind of, again, the, the fire that NFTs were forged in is this idea of, of kind of rolling the dice and it's, it's gambling basically. <laughs> um, but I think we are going to see a gradual move to it being, um, you know, people coming up with, with entertainment brand or product based brands that are, you know, think, think about like the growth hacker mentality. Yeah. You can, you know, fundraise $2 million by, you know, selling 7,000 JPEGs in three minutes that's a pretty mm -hmm. awesome way to get some liquidity and do something really awesome with your community it's just what are you going to do with your community that's the part that i think a lot of folks aren't thinking about um and uh, yeah that i'll stop talking there I do. no no i love it back I think to you, yeah. that opens up like that for me it's uh, it's exciting i think sometimes it's nice to get a regrounding as to where other people from within the nft community or space feeling like things are going and it's really interesting your points around merchandising around retailing in, in particular because for me it's the future and i think when we talk about tokenized assets that's kind of maybe what i'm alluding to around when you attend events when you buy merchandise when you buy even clothing regular clothing can it be adapted into blockchain technology via nfts in some way and i strongly believe that is the future of them yeah, I definitely think the way forward is doing that without putting the NFT word on it. I think already the, N the word NFT has obviously been given a bit of a, not a bad rep, but a bit of an awkward rep because, you know, there's a lot of hate um, in the NFT space already just because obviously it's been bored ape and monkeys and dolphins and all this crap, just, you know, random rubbish. So like Tyler was saying, um, like Starbucks, like Nike, they're doing it without using the word NFT and using it as like a loyalty pass or uh, I don't know, tokenized access pass and stuff like that. I think that's definitely the way forward and that's how we'll slowly push into the mainstream adoption. And I think that's it's what a, we're seeing right it, now. Yeah, it's a dirty word for sure, Leon, NFT.
NFTs. And if I'm at a dinner party and I, I don't like the people there and I just want to get out of there, I'll just start bringing up NFTs and go quiet. <laughs> and, then I, and then I leave. You know? Easy to get yeah. out. <laughs> but I also think the, uh, the, the subculture is, it reminds me of the skateboard culture. I'm, I'm quite old. Uh, I've been in the skateboard world since the 80s and then the 90s it did kind of skateboarding kind of died and and we were always picked on as skateboarders. It was always kind of like a, a subculture that people made fun of, particularly like the athletes and so on. And I feel like that's kind of the space now. And I love that kind of gritty space where people just kind of look down on you and think you're like a scammer and you're terrible and you're in it for nefarious uh, causes. And I think that's where true utility and true innovation is forged. It's, it's built with that pressure around it. Mm. And I think what, what, what will come out of this, you know, may, it'll be a while, five years probably before we'll be able to go back to dinner parties and be like, yeah, I was in NFTs all the time. And they'll be like, you're amazing. You're, you could, you had, <laughs> yes. you're the Oracle. You could see into the future, but it's going to be a while before that actually unfolds because it, it right now is like, if, if you want to separate yourself from a crowd of people, just hold up, you know, an NFT sign and say, I love NFTs. And I'll yeah. be like, you go stand over there in the corner. We don't You're want to talk to you. You're automatically a nerd, aren't you? Moving on to, uh, we'll actually mention your your coffee shop, Jamie, because I didn't know you wanted to <laughs> reach into this. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure you mentioned a few weeks ago, like, didn't you mention like the crypto creator house? Didn't you mention yeah. that as well? Uh, so we can reach into both of them if you want. Both of them actually, yeah, so... You know, with the current economy and where things are at, I think everything has mm. to be drawn back. So we wanted to combine the two. And, and, and the idea is creating a hub or a space where people just come and share a cup of coffee, have a cup, slice of cake, but talk all things crypto. So the, the concept okay. and the idea is kind of like a drop-in space downstairs. Uh, we're waiting to highlight the venue. So it might not be downstairs. I don't know why I keep saying down and upstairs. So <laughs> in, in one room uh, where they can basically drink teas, coffee, soft drinks. Uh, and then inside rooms, there's like creator portals. So there's a place for people to have podcasts with all the equipment there, come and use the nice. facility, a Heck. YouTube facility, and then TikTok. But the be all and end all is it's a crypto facility. So there's charts all around the main room where the coffee shop is. Uh, and then we're delivering seminars, getting people like yourselves to come in and, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe stream in and, and talk about the space and, and host seminars like this where people can come in, ask questions, listen to what you've got to say around the space and educate people. But the, the, the thing for me is, it's a free space. You know, we're not, we're not we're not charging people to come and have memberships for hundreds yeah. of thousands of pounds or dollars or whatever every single year to be a member. It's a free space for people to just come and talk about something that I'm passionate about uh, and, and I know a lot of people aren't. It fits under the Crypto Bros umbrella, so it will be under the Crypto Bros banner. The reason for that is Crypto Bros was created very different to the Crypto Jamie profile. So the average age mm -hmm. of a, an investor is 37, white, middle class. Now, we wanted to come away from that, and we know the average age of TikTok is much less. And actually, the overall demographic is uh, demographic, not democratic. <laughs> I think I'm going all political there. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it is, is, is very different. So it's exactly the same principle with the coffee shop. It's going to be in an urban town center in a very working class place. Uh, and we want to you know, bridge that gap for people to come in and talk about finance. And, uh, and it, we're not going to be pushing crypto down people's throats and saying it's the best way. It's the only way. It's just a gateway. It's an entry level place for people mm. to come in and just if they've got questions to talk about it. I mean, what do I get from it? Honestly, probably going to lose money in the short term because, you know, it's it's a risk. You know, at the end of the day, it's just going to be a coffee shop, but it's a coffee shop with a purpose to hopefully take it into further places. Well, I mean, I think you'd still be able to like, even just from selling, you know, selling the stuff, you can sell merch, you can sell food, you can sell drinks. Drinks are the easiest one to mark up. And on top of that, you can 
like outsource the events to get people to come host events. Like if anyone's looking to like, there's a bunch in Manchester where I am, um, but they're always going from place to place because they've not got yeah. a regular place to host it. So you can host them, charge them, I don't know, 50 pound an hour to, you know, have your coffee shop as a little <laughs> events place and you can sell That's stuff. Right. So I don't know, like after a few months, as long like, you know how to do TikTok, all you need to do is hire one person who just absolutely goes crazy on TikTok and you know the power of TikTok, it can make it go insanely big. Um, and pushing back into that, uh, the, the um, middle, working class white man, 38, it's crazy nowadays how many young people, uh, I mean, like myself, I guess, like the average age now has probably pushed down to like like 15 years old, honestly. Like I have my Discord, of course, and the amount of 13, 14 year olds that hopping in and saying, how can I learn? Or I've been doing this and I've made, you know, a few thousand, like, how can I do this? Like you're 14 years old. I was playing <laughs> Minecraft in my bedroom at 14. Like yeah, it's crazy. That, that is crazy. But the power of social media, it's changed the entire game. Like the NFT space is, I think that's why the NFT space has taken so long to actually, um, not blow up, but, uh, move somewhere productive is because it's run by mainly like 15 16 17 year olds who are creating like degenerate projects um and you know buying and selling flipping 24 7 mm -hmm. um so the average age of an nft investor is probably probably in the teens uh compared <laughs> to like stocks which is way more mature um and that's, that's probably, the problem like, Leon. we go 30s. off us data within the uk it's tough to get solid and accurate data so they, they are no, us is, yeah. statistics mm -hmm. Um, so across across the UK would be it would be very interesting to see the breakdown of people. But I think what you're alluding to there it would be very interesting if somebody was to do a study into the effect of lockdown and COVID around that, because a lot mm -hmm. of kids had time to be off school, had time to be on the phones, on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, whatever kids are on these days. And everyone was talking about crypto because people were making yeah, significant bags in the bull run. It would be interesting how many people and young people came into the space at that time. Yeah, what I love about the space. Seeing young people, including both of you in the space, is uh, I, I have a background in, in education and I'm nearly fossilized over here. So I'm seeing this through, <laughs> through a, definitely a, a different lens. I've got three kids. Um, and and what I've, one of the things I, I often you know find myself doing when I see something that's at the beginning of something really big, like I do think blockchain, Web3, this idea around Web3 um, and, and people spending a lot more time online and seeing interoperability online through, you know, different skins and different assets and avatars that our kids are going to be really skilled in using. I want to be there first so I can make sure that my kids are moving into the space effectively and they're, the, the models, the role models in the space are decent. How, all to say, folks like yourselves, you, you guys work hard. You, you take risks. You, you're not, you don't, you know, sort of bow to traditional education. And there's a lot of kids that don't have a voice in the traditional education space. There's lots that do, but there's a, more that don't. And I think that they're finding that there's another way forward. There's another way to gain a community, to, to gain success, um, right down to the point where my nine-year-old sees me doing these and he, he sees Leon and sees our podcast. Just for fun, he decided to get out a pomela or a big, big fruit and he puts it down and he's like, dad, film me. I'm going to talk crypto to this pineapple <laughs> and he wants to do his own TikTok where he asks That's a pineapple cool. questions about crypto. And I'm like, dude, that, that will go viral. You, you yeah, can't I'll have a TikTok yeah, account yet, but when you're a little bit older, <laughs> you absolutely can. So I, I think you're right. It's, it's the kid, the kids that are coming up, uh, have a, have a, a real chance here to do something innovative and, and with you folks as the leaders. And I just want to say really quickly, um, Jamie about 
your coffee shop idea. And I love the idea of how you, you come out of the gate saying that it's a, a basement uh, or a downstairs and into my mind kind of pops into this prohibition era sort of uh, idea of something that's a little bit underground, but although it might not even be underground or downstairs, I, I really love the idea that you're creating a space for creators, for innovators uh, to come and have a bit of a home base. And absolutely, when I travel the UK, I'm going to find Leon and, and we're going to head over to your, your, you're obviously, where in, where in UK are you? Oh yeah, where is like, it going to be located? located? Witness or Warrington, mate. Oh, that's not Warrington. too far actually. Yeah, that's yeah. only like half okay. an hour, 20 minutes. Okay. My, we're we're, my we're so close to each other, Leon, aren't we? Yeah, Yo, know, awesome. So you got in-laws as well. I think. Oh yeah, they're, they're really right uh, is... in Cheadle Hume. So we're gonna roll down Cheadle there, Hume. and then we're gonna. Very oh, nice. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna find you, and we're gonna set up, and we're gonna do some streaming. You down, Leon? Super. You ready for that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I live literally five yeah. minutes away, so yeah, that'd be nice. I love that. It's on. I think there's something that I did want to come to that you, that you touched on, and that was around risk. And I think something that is really big for me, and really big that I try and share with the community that we we create, is risk comes with risks and when we it sounds like a stupid <laughs> statement to make but risk isn't always positive so we we lose yeah. so much money we always lose so much reputation as well at times because ultimately yeah. we make decisions that don't work out and actually yeah. the difference between i think us that are on this podcast and many other creators is we own them we put our hands up and go do you know what we really <clears throat> up there and it's not right <laughs> but you know the biggest thing is we come back from it we talk about it we learn about what went wrong and what happened and then we move and i think that's why for me creating that profile, creating that transparent profile that you talk about things, you talk about your full journey, you don't hide things from people. It's part of the journey and that's what people really buy into and that's what people engage with and that's why people ultimately follow your content and watch you, otherwise you're just a an idiot online. <laughs> I don't like, I think, like one of my favorite content creators is Connor Kenny and he's, he's opening line, he goes, if you listen to me, I'm just a man in a bedroom, it's not financial advice. And if you actually think about it, <laughs> We got, we're all just like strange men on the internet talking about finance or talking about crypto. It's true. Who in the right mind it's would true. listen to that and think, I'm going to listen to these guys. So like when you think no, of it in, in that form, it's, it's true. you know, <laughs> there's a lot more to content creation than just talking. It's about sharing yeah. things, being an open book and, and taking people on a journey with storytelling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amen. Love that. Um, Tyler, back over to you, if that's okay. Oh gosh, is it back over to me? All right. Yeah, it's all back right. over Where to you already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh yeah. Let's talk about FTX. Oh my gosh. There we go. There we go. Uh, we we can't have a, a uh, I mean, it's just like it's everywhere. I mean, it's it's almost irritating how how much it's it is out there. But uh, you made a, a TikTok predicting war between uh, Sam Bankman Friedman, Sam Bank, SBF, 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 and CZ. What are your thoughts on the overall situation? Uh, first of all, I think it's a total mess. I think that. Um, <laughs> Yep. You know, if I was American, I would be literally jumping, kicking and screaming at the mess that my country's in. You've got a president in place there that has had his full campaign within the top five funded by, you know, potentially the biggest fraud in, in internet and world history, you know, to many people and in many yeah. people's eyes. So that I think that's one factor of it. I think the second factor is there's a lot of shady, underhanded tactics that happen across all of these exchanges and all of these companies. And my, my fear is, and I think when you really delve into some of the, the tweets and the tones of kind of almost point scoring, you know, this is something my granddad taught me. When you point a finger, there's three fingers pointing back at you. So when CZ is loading the gun and he's shooting things off at different exchanges and, so, you know, Sam bangman Freed's a terrible guy. He's a scumbag. He's, he's all of that stuff. But if you're telling me for one minute, the rest of these guys haven't done bad things in the past, 
I'm telling yeah, you, course, you're talking yeah. absolute nonsense. So I strongly believe when Sam, I think it's on the 13th in three days' time, he's going to be uh, giving evidence. It's oh, going okay. to be very interesting who he takes down with him. And I believe to save face, he personally will. And, and I think that's going to open a can of worms within the space across exchanges. I've got things around exchanges, for example, and you know, please don't sue me, but you know, this is my opinion. <laughs> You know, Binance, for example, if I'm in Iran or Russia, I can cipher funds in and out and withdraw it in any country in the world. Now, if that is through banking systems, I cannot do that. So that in its purest form should be opening eyes across the world. Uh, you know, that, that that's just something that we're aware of. Uh, with it, When it comes to court cases and it comes to these public spats, we see SBF, we see CZ going toe-to-toe, talking about really manly things, about walking away from tables and slamming things down. Really great, tough stuff, but... It just opens things up to me that, you know, we're trusting these people that clearly take a lot of risk and it's not their own risk. It's not personal risk. It's risk of our own assets. And we've trusted them for too long. And, you know, unregulated spaces create demons and those demons, I think, will come to an ugly head in the next week or two. And fully recognizing that this is just opinions and that we're, you know, we're on the sidelines watching as much as anybody else. What's your what's your uh, opinion on, you know, perhaps why SBF hasn't been arrested like what? What do you think is going on behind the scenes? You've alluded, alluded to it a little bit here. Uh, you know, other people that are you know in hanging in the balance that are going to fall when these releases come out. Like, can you go a little deeper into why why you think he hasn't? Why is he being protected here? Yeah. So there's two countries that uh, I believe users will get their thumbs back from, and that is America and Japan. Now they are places that can genuinely legally enforce and prosecute his little sorry ass, wherever he wants to go, <laughs> anywhere in the world. <laughs> but, but away from that is, I think, when you work with some of the names and some of the organizations around the world like he has, and his company has, with the element of risks that he's gone with, I wouldn't say you're untouchable, but I think that the the circles around you that then enforce whistleblowing, which brings me back into the CZ era and brings into other exchanges, there will be an element of protection when it comes to saving face around regulations. And when we say saving mm. face around regulations, the future of how they want to control what we do within the crypto space. So Sam Bankman-Fried, in my opinion, he will become the poster boy of regulations, you know, as the, as the evil dark guy. But I don't think people will ever get justice for what he's done. I do think mm-hmm. they'll villainize him, but I think he'll get a free pass. And that's just my personal take on that. I think it will mm-hmm. be an agreement made that if, if he rats on people or he whistleblows on, on all of the other dis- misdemeanors that are going on within the space... I, I think there's an argument for that. I really hope he does go out and go absolutely all out with this because I think there's there's so many exchanges. Like as soon as um, FTX went down, the amount of like evidence for all these other exchanges that, as well was crazy. Like every single exchange wasn't named. Like people going like um, employees and stuff from other exchanges saying, oh yeah, this happens at ours, this happened at ours. Uh, did you see the other thing as well? Al- Alameda Research. The woman who manages the funds at Alameda Research talking about risk management. I don't know if you saw it. It went everywhere. Oh, um, uh, yeah, about saying stop like we don't really use stop losses because it's not a good <laughs> risk management tool. And she she like manages like nine billion dollars or something like that. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, Caroline um, Ellis. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah, coming back onto that, though, you know what the most entertaining <laughs> thing for me around it? You know, I, I think he's played a perfect game. You know, in these Twitter spaces that he's come on and he's spoken. He's basically trolled communities. He's trolled the people that he's even entertained, like going on and talking to. Now, I saw a spaces with a guy called Mario. Uh, oh, yeah, and, I was in um, that one as well, yeah. The like, round if, that table. Who, if that's the best type of people we're throwing up to interview somebody that's been in this instance, then 
what the hell are we doing actually trading crypto? No. It just proves that for me, crypto is a Ponzi scheme and a scam. I mean, this guy was, <laughs> was selling Twitter verification for 20K a couple of years ago, I believe. Oh, know, wait, allegedly. Really? I've heard uh, very, <laughs> wow. very dodgy things about him. Um, he's very, very, very controversial in the space, that Mario guy. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's just interesting who they had involved. I think Rand's a good guy, but it's just, yeah, I, I think for me, let lawyers do lawyers things. You're a nerd mm, yeah, on the internet trading crypto that's gathered an audience, doesn't qualify you to ask somebody of that you know, nature, potentially criminalizing questions. <laughs> you know, yeah, just... yeah. I think uh, <laughs> Mr. CZ as well with Binance, I think they're going to be, even though FTX has been labeled with that evil corporation, they'll always be that one. Um, I do think Binance are going to take the market cap by far. And I don't know, I don't know if Mr. CZ is the best of people to be doing that. Uh, for example, well, he did a pretty good job at taking down FTX. When I say that as a smart strategic play, he played Sam Bankman so, so unbelievably well. Um, and I don't know if that's what's ex uh, exactly needed in the space right now. Um, so some scary stuff there. Uh, what was I going to go on to? Oh, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the... Don't know if I should name it exactly, but the thing went, that went on and there's some cases you said. Yeah, no problem. Talk about that? So, um, there was a project called Paradox. Paradox came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. They had ISO Speed, a few other celebrities involved mm -hmm. with them. Now, to just be very clear, this is not something that I endorse nor partnered with, nor took Neither. any payment from at any point, which is something that I'm very proud of, if got to be honest, because um, <laughs> they actually approached us. They approached us for promotion and, and we didn't go with it. It didn't happen. So really pleased about that matter of fact. Yep. So I saw nice. I saw the CoffeeZilla commercial or oh, little advert that they put out and little snippets of it and then the full length feature interviewing them the night before. So I just reached out to them and said, listen, you've done it on YouTube. Let's have an interview on TikTok. Let's hear what you've got to say. Let's clear up some of the allegations around you. You know, some of the things that people are saying about you. Interview went very well. It, it took place for nearly two hours time. I come wow. off and um, there's allegations of people that I know within my network potentially doing something dodgy to their website, which is total news to me. Yeah, I saw that. And basically, I will tell you what happened. So after the live stream, I came off, I got invited into another live stream with four or five other creators and they were making jokes around DDoSing. Now, can I be totally honest with you? I did not know what DDoSing was. That next day when I got that text message, I was like, DDoSing? What's... I had to even Google what it was. So they made an allegation around certain individuals DDoSing their accounts or their Facebook, sorry, their website and their Telegram group. Uh, and then they banned me and blocked me from all of the things online, despite giving them an interview that was um, totally open, floor, neutral. I sat back, let them talk, provide the evidence that they requested. I do want to place on file my, you know, disappointment in the way that they've conducted the business. I think it was truly unprofessional. They asked me to send the questions up front that they wanted to answer. I didn't want to do that, but I obliged because I wanted to bring people content that mattered. There was a chain link partnership query that people wanted to talk about and find out the bottom line to, and frankly, find out whether they were a scam or not and allow people to yeah. come out there and ask some of the questions that wanted to ask. I had a series of over 20 questions. We didn't get through them all. Got cut off by whatever means. It was like two, three o'clock in the morning. Fair enough. We agreed to do a part two before I even got a chance to go back to them. Banned, deleted from everything. Can't even go on the That's Discord, crazy. can't go on the website, can't do anything. They blocked me. I literally tuned in to listen to a Twitter Spaces. Within minutes, I'm deleted from it. It's absolute <laughs> craziness, I think. Ah. Um, yeah, I've, I've not spoken about it, really, and I don't choose to speak about it on my platform. I don't want to give them any more recognition, to be totally honest with you. I'm pretty disgusted in the way they've handled it, and this, pretty disgusted in the way they handle business. For me, 
No, I didn't get anything from it apart from a load of shit, to be honest. Sorry, so, horrible, so, you know? so let me understand this. So you, you, uh, took, they reached out to you to, you know, talk about their project. You looked at it. You're like, I don't think this is, I don't, we don't want to bring them on the show. But then you jumped into a, a TikTok live with uh, one of the founders. Yeah. Am I, am I right so far? Yeah. So what happened was we yeah, talked and, about promotion. And it didn't work out. And then we saw the Coffeezilla thing. Right. And then you got uh, you got off that. And then they did a denial of service attack on you. No. Basically. So no, no, no. no. Oh, so just, just to be very clear. So there was, an, there, there was an alleged DDoS attack on their website and Telegram. Oh, on their website. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, po yeah. Possibly perpetrated by people in your network, they were saying. No. Well, that's what they believed. What these are people. Ah, I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> no, no. It's, <laughs> like, I, I understand it. I understand <laughs> clearly now. And I, and I think that's that's crazy. And so now when you, anytime you want to just be there to hear, listen, or contribute, they immediately spot you and and yeah, ban you from it. Wow! D despite okay. giving them that platform, and we at peak, it had two point eight thousand viewers, you know, wow. on the live stream, which was just, you know, it was bizarre. It was crazy. And this is the answer that people want to. I, I've got to be honest with people. The reason that I've not made a video about it is because I just can't be bothered with the drama. Like yeah. these yeah, people, yeah. I got nothing from having them on there other than the messages of abuse that I got to my emails on all of my comments. People were just right. ruthless, saying that you're a scammer, blah blah blah. I was like. I've given up my time. I've not been paid a penny for this to generally yeah. hear what they've got to say. I've got to be honest, selfishly, I did it for a little bit of exposure and that's cards on the table because I thought Coffeezilla did it yesterday. If I can be the first person on TikTok, I'm going to do it. Nice. But the way yeah. they treated me was frankly disgusting uh, and it's very disappointing. So yeah, that, that's well, all I don't I really think that's selfish, think. Jamie. I mean, you have a channel and you have an audience and, and part of building your brand is being, you know, responsible to your community. And if you, you want to find, you want to try and get good content and bring that to them. That's, that's part of building a good brand. So I don't think that's mm. selfish at all. I think that's just in intelligent business practice. No, yeah, I appreciate not really, that. Yeah. Not really heard anything on them either at the minute. Um, they obviously went through the crazy um, exposure of like iShow Speed. They gave so many people, uh, well, what am I trying to say? Sorry, I lost my words on. Um, they were giving so many um celebrities and big content creators like money obviously to promote and stuff that was like two weeks ago i saw so much within a space of literally like one two weeks it was all over instagram all over tiktok all over youtube everywhere and now i don't know it's sort of gone silent since literally since that happened uh since your live stream i've not heard a single thing anywhere Fully i don't know if the game like, <laughs> the, I, don't, I don't even know if it's launched like what they're doing with it but yeah i've not heard a single thing since that no, Which but, is crazy. you know, to, to be fair to them, anybody that wants to market to the levels of Web2, like attacking influencers, celebrities, you know, recognizing that it might bring new people into the space is great. But like we said on the live stream, they have a duty then to educate people in the right way. Yeah, and of for course, me, yeah. they failed to do it. And on the live, this is what's so annoying. On the live stream, they committed to me to putting a load of time, energy and money into educating people in the future, creating resources. And we've never had the opportunity to follow up, which is just crazy. Mm. No, I think that's a bunch of rubbish again. Um, yeah. And I don't yeah. think the the correct way to be promoting something like that is through endorsing through celebrities. That was like back in crypto scam, NFT scam world. That's what everyone was doing. Like the beginning of NFTs, that's what every single NFT project did. They tried to get the biggest rapper or the biggest celebrity and endorsed it through that, sold it and then ran off. Um, so I personally, this is obviously my opinion. I don't want to get hit with a lawsuit or anything now. So uh, my personal opinion, I really don't think that's the correct way to grow a community or grow a game like Rockstar. Do you see Rockstar paying, I don't know, any big celebrities to promote GTA 6? No, um, that's not how you grow um, like that. Um, but anyway, 
we'll we'll leave that there. We'll leave that in the dust now. Uh, we won't talk about that again. Paradox will never be mentioned. That's the last time. <laughs> That's um, a relief. <laughs> um, so yeah. One more question and then we'll leave it off because we have the England game in 10 minutes if anyone's listening, so we need to run. Um, So (laughs) last thoughts on crypto. Um, Where do you think it's going? Uh, Bull run. Are we seeing a bull run next year, year after? Is the bottom in? Um, Do you reckon we're still going lower? And where do you think we're going long term? Is it the future? Yeah, so if you want TA, I'm not your man. I think you need to come and speak to Leo. My personal (laughs) opinion is, um, no, I'm pretty open and honest. (laughs) Fair enough, yeah. Um, when it comes to you know where I believe the space is going, I think it's lose-lose right now, especially with the XRP court case or the Ripple court case. I think people are expecting some huge win. It's not going to come. I think when the win does happen, because I strongly believe that Ripple will come, it will come with sanctions in place. It will come with regulations. I therefore think that short-term, we will see dips within the chart because people will have to adhere. And I think you'll see a lot of projects just disappear overnight. And that's my personal mm-hmm. take on that. I think long-term, and I'm going to say in long-term, I'm talking three, four years' time, it's an absolute win. But this next two to three years for me, I don't think anybody can truly give a true opinion other than I believe it's going to be very challenging. It could Mm -hmm. be challenging in a really positive way, but it could be challenging in a very negative way. But that's why we all trade crypto, because we love the volatility. But what I do think is responsible as content creators, I think it's lose-lose short-term, and that that is kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree short term, definitely. I don't think we're going to see a bull run anytime soon. I think it's just going to be ranging boring markets. It's already been boring, like Bitcoin's been... I don't think it's moved much at all for like three, four, five weeks now. It's just been hovering. And I think it's going to be like that for the next year, maybe two years. Um, I said uh, 10 to 30K for the next three, three-ish years, two, three years. And then hopefully we see, once it's regulated again, uh, obviously we need, we don't want it, but it sort of needs regulation for crypto to actually, um, again, be adopted across the world. Um and once we are regulated, obviously it's not going to be a good time for a year or two, but then I think we're just going to see slow growth from there. I don't think it's healthy for Bitcoin to have a bull run like it lasted. Um, I think we need to be seeing that over like 10 years, like uh, for example, SPY, S&P 500. We need growth over that, just like slow, long-term. We don't want it to look like a bell. You know, I can't get the camera like straight up. We want it nice, slow growth. Um, and of course that'll come with regulation and time, I guess, but... Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, there, there is one thing that I do want to say on that, though, just that go for I it. probably should have mentioned. I think regulations will bring to fruition that something that I strongly believe in, that we do not want a decentralized space within the crypto space. We, we need control. As human beings, in my opinion, we're destined to have control. We need somebody that, you know, in simple terms, locks up the bad guys and protects the good guys. You know, there's that gatekeeper that, you know, protects us, protects our funds, and that comes through regulations. But also from a technological point of view, decentralization and having to decentralize projects and tokens technology evolves so fast and so quick if people haven't got the keys to be able to shut things off amend contracts change things adapt it to new technologies that come out then the crypto space is time bound anyway so a truly decentralized world for me is not the future of crypto i welcome regulations i welcome control to a certain you know extent but I don't welcome CZ style control. We want proper people with proper power, but really are accountable to the wider world. But do you think crypto can truly be decentralized? Like we're seeing, for example, like Elon Musk, like last year he was going crazy with uh, Dogecoin and stuff like that. He caused pumps, like pumps beyond pumps. Anyone with influence, I think power is slowly turning over. Like social media is power. That's it. It used to be money. 
and now I think it's influ- it's easily influenced. Um, like Elon Musk can go one tweet, uh, I just bought this much of XRP, or I've just invested in XRP, or he could retweet an XRP tweet, and XRP would pump fifty percent. Um, and I don't think that's how it should work. I don't know how it can't work yes. like that though. There's no way to go around that. Um, like obviously influence will all be, all, always be power and so on money. So I don't know if decentralization is ever truly can be decentralized. I, I don't know. I think, um, I think we, we can't get lost in decentralization or, or control and things like that. Isn't just a, a crypto or financial issue. Like my dad's Egyptian, my mum's English. If you think, if you speak to all Egyptians, like social media caused a revolution within the country, toppled the, you know, administration, and now it's run by somebody that they hate even more. So you know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, the, the, the dangers of social media and influence is across every walk of life. Mm. Um, but when it comes to actual like control of funds, control of people's assets, for me, we don't want decentralization. I think we need gatekeepers. Yeah, but they're still gatekeepers are hard to find. That's and if right. you do find them, they can easily be corrupted um, very, very easily. Um, money, everyone wants money and there isn't a, a um, I can't, okay, laptops on fourth said, yeah, no worries. We'll end it, we'll end it there, we'll end it there. <laughs> That's um, why last, I last, that question, last question, yeah, sorry, I was like, oh no, what's happening? <laughs> last question, uh, quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, this is our last question that we ask on the podcast. Um, if you could go back, to the start of your journey, the very start, what is one piece of advice you could give yourself um, moving forward if you restarted the entire journey, your crypto journey? That's a really, really great question. I think it would be don't make excuses to the people around you for the sacrifices that you make. Uh, And when I say the sacrifices that I make, so I was excluding my friends, myself from like friendship time, family time, locking Mm -hmm. myself away because I was so angled in. And I wouldn't particularly tell them I'm being a nerd in the front bedroom because I'm studying about crypto. I'm going on these groups. I'm talking to people. I would make something up that like I'm not feeling well or I'm just going to go. I think just be honest, be proud of what you're trying to do. And, uh, and and you know, don't be afraid to share exactly what you're doing and take that risk. Because for me, it was a pride thing of, <laughs> I don't know, it was weird. It was, it was just really weird. I think for me, don't be shy. I think be out there, be who you want to be, challenge the opinions that you want to challenge but just be proud of yourself. And I think that's something that I, from day one, wish I would have had and I didn't Mm. hide myself away for so long. Yeah, I think I'm already... uh, All my friends know I'm an absolute trading nerd and all I do is sit on the charts all day. So I've not got that problem, to be honest. Um, Everyone knows I just sit in my bedroom on my PC looking at charts all day, every day. So, but yeah, (laughs) that's a very good piece of advice. Thank you, Jamie. And thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. I just Uh, want to say, well, I really appreciate the work that you boys are doing. Uh, and no lead on on a personal note, I think for me, you're one of the best out there, especially from oh. the UK. Um, we see people growing platforms and, and, and growing followings on TikTok and on other platforms that, you know, frankly, should, shouldn't be in the space. And I think people like you Agreed. are there and you're the, shine, the shining light, mate. You, you provide free education for people. You provide also courses that are of substance and quality. So I think really urge you, um, you know, to continue the work that you're doing. I actually urge you to put your foot down. Get your foot firmly down, Leon. Oh, no, I don't know if I can put it any further down, to no, be honest. Don't get comfortable, <laughs> mate. No, no, don't get comfortable. Keep pushing on. Keep t- over-challenging yourself and see where it takes you because uh, you're destined to great things, mate. Uh, and I, I wish you the best that. as well, NFT. Dad, it's crying. a pleasure to Thanks, meet Jamie. you. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, you as well. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's go. I like that energy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you guys for ho- uh, coming in. And yeah, see you guys later. No problem. Love Thanks, it. guys.